Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Come with me in your Bibles, 1 Samuel 17. We're starting a brand new series today called Save Our City. Save Our City. And the title of my message today, which I forgot to give in the 8.30, forgive me, is called Rainmakers, Rainmakers. And uh, save our city, save our city. Uh, how many people know it's not a bad thing to cry out to God to save our city? We have prayer meetings Tuesday mornings, Thursday mornings, where we cry out to God to save our city, to save our county, to, to save America. And it's a good thing to pray that prayer. But it's amazing as you begin to read the Bible, which we encourage, by the way. We encourage that. As you begin to read the Bible, you'll find that the Bible says, and they cried out to the Lord to save them, so the Lord sent. So the Lord sent Moses. So the Lord raised up Gideon. So the Lord, the Lord sent a prophet. So the Lord sent David. So the Lord sent... So you'll always find that we cry out to God, and then God raises up someone that He sends. And I've got some exciting news, or it may come as a little shock today, but you, you are the answer. You are the hero somebody's been waiting for. That's why we get behind our political candidates. And I actually love it because, you know, uh, one of the things they tried to tell me was, hey, um, oh, pastor, yeah, you can't, you can't get involved in politics. Oh, really? Why is that? Well, you can lose your 501c3 status. You can lose your tax-exempt status. So Planned Parenthood that donates heavily to the Democrat Party, they don't lose their charitable status, but apparently the church could. So then I began to say, oh, okay, well, maybe I just need to be neutral and just, shh, just be silent in, the, in the, the, the sidelines there while your nation goes to hell in a handbasket. And then I thought, you know what? You can actually take my 501c3. I'd rather pay tax and speak truth than, oh, oh, I'm scared, oh, oh. No, to save a few dollars, I'll just, no, I can be bought, I can be bought. How much do I save, 30 pieces of silver? Hmm, I've read that somewhere. So anyway, so, so just, just kind of strap in. We're, we're, you know, we, we are called Awaken Church for a reason. We, we, we get engaged. Uh, there's a lot of people that have some broken theology. Well, you know, it's whoever God wills will be in power. And, and that's brilliant if you are ignorant of history. May I suggest to you it wasn't God's will for Adolf Hitler to get into power in the 1930s in Germany and exterminate six million of God's children. That, that, wasn't, that, was, that wasn't God's will. In my book, Push, Pray Until Something Happens, you'll find that there are two sides of God's will. There's God's perfect will and there's God's permissible will. There's God's perfect will and there's God's permissible will. In John chapter 9, the, the, the disciples stumble upon a man who's a beggar who's blind. And the disciples asked Jesus this question. They said to him, Jesus, Lord, who sinned, this man 
or his parents that he was born blind. In other words, we're trying to reconcile why do bad things happen to people? Why, why, why did just, why, like, who, who sinned, him or his parents that he was born blind? Well, obviously the answer wasn't him. Like he sinned, I'm not sure if you realize this, but in his mother's womb, he opened a gambling casino. <laughs> he had a little meth lab operating there in her uterus. So obviously he didn't sin to be born blind. And I love Jesus because Jesus says neither. He says neither, but so that God could be glorified. And what, what did he mean by that? He says, listen, you and I live in a, a, a fallen world. We live in a world where, where when Adam and Eve reached out to the forbidden fruit, they put instant gratification on the top of man's agenda. How many times we give in to instant gratification when the end is death, not life. And so because we live in a sinful world, death, disease, suffering, exploitation, wickedness kind of has platform and runs rampant. So Jesus says, so this is God's permissible will, but it's not his perfect will. He says, and the reason I'm here is to make a delineation. I'm, I'm here to actually show you because I haven't come to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And he healed the blind man so that everybody rejoiced because Jesus came to execute the will of God. When somebody has cancer, we don't say, well, you know, it's God's will for, for you just to go home a little early. We, we don't believe that. We believe that when Jesus died on the cross, Isaiah 53, 5 says that by his stripes, you were healed. So we, we pray against cancer. And, you know, we probably 99.9% .9 of the time see God do miracles like we heard this morning with Pastor Charles, where God heals, where God delivers, because our assignment in the earth is to, to walk into God's, what God has permitted and bring in God's perfect. Anyway, so, so one of the reasons that we get engaged politically is because God gave the dominion of the earth to man. So it's not, well, you know, whoever God wants to be in power will be in power. No, no, darling, um, God has not voted in one of our elections. The people don't vote and then God says, well, actually, that's not my will. No, I'll override that. And God gave dominion to the earth to men. If you elect idiots. The Bible says, Proverbs 29, 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. I don't know about you, but I'm done with groaning. Every time I go to the, the gas pump, groaning about the prices. Every time I go to the grocery mart, looking at the, the escalation, the inflation of prices, looking at wages dropping, look at the fentanyl crossing our borders, looking at the violent crime, looking at the murder rate going up all around. I don't know about you, but I'm done with groaning and I could do with a little more rejoicing. Well, the Bible says when the wicked rule, the people groan. When the righteous are in authority, it's time we drive out the wicked and we raise up godly people righteous people, virtuous people like Christy Bruce Lane, Marco Contreras, Andre Johnson. There are so many great people on the ticket. And I thank God that we're raising up godly people to occupy authority. All authority is from God, but not all who occupy the positions of authority are from God. Please understand that. 
All authority is from God. We need to pray for everyone in authority. Romans 13. Yes, we need to pray for them in authority because all authority is from God, but not everybody who occupies that authority is godly. We have people who hate God in authority. And it's, an, it's a wickedness. So anyway, come with me. 1 Samuel 17. It's going to make sense. Verse 1. Rainmakers. You're a rainmaker. 17 verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite, which sounds painful, but it's not. It's just where he's from. <laughs> Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab. He said to Ahab. Ahab's the king. Ahab is a wicked king. He's married Jezebel. If you're dating somebody and she tells you her name is Jezebel, run. Ahab's dumb enough to marry. Anyway, so he marries Jezebel. She turns the whole nation away from the Lord, turns the whole nation away from God. So they're worshiping the Baals and the Asherahs and, and Moloch and causing their sons and daughters to pass through the fire to Moloch. And when it says pass through the fire, it doesn't mean they come out the other side. It means that they pass them through the fire and the fire consumes them in exchange for a harvest. So they sacrifice their children, hoping that their financial future will be blessed. And she's brought a wickedness into the land. We don't, there's no mention of Elijah prior to this verse. Elijah just bursts onto the scene. Just bam, there he is. And he walks straight into the palace unannounced. And he says to King Ahab, he said, As the Lord, your, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And then he turns and he walks out. And the king's like, what the heck just, what the? I, I, I like Elijah. No sooner has Elijah left, but the, the heavens become like brass and everything dries up and a drought hits the land. The drought is so bad that the crops are dying, the cattle are dying, the sheep are dying, which affects the economy. If there's no rain, there's no harvest. If there's no rain, the, the crops, if, if, if there's no sheep, oxen, and cattle, there's no, so the entire economy is affected. Elijah calls out the, the wickedness that's sitting on the throne. It was the throne of a kingdom that God established, Israel. It was his people. This was his land. This, this territory, this dominion was his gift to the descendants of Abraham. But occupying the throne was a man whose heart wasn't for God, but was for idolatry. And so Elijah comes and begins to censure and begins to let Ahab know that he's out of bounds. Ahab immediately goes into a hunt where he wants to track down Elijah and kill him. Not fix the drought, not fix the problem. He just wants to attack anybody that's calling out his sin. Remove him from Twitter, remove him from Instagram, remove him from Facebook. So chapter 18, it catches up where... Elijah comes and he presents himself to uh, Obadiah. And he says this, he says, uh, he says, get Ahab to gather on Mount Carmel, all the children of Israel. And you bring your 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, 850. 
and I'll represent the Lord. 850 to 1. Sometimes you're going to feel like, man, when I turn on you know, MSNBC and NBC and CNN, when I turn on all of this, it feels like, man, I'm the, I'm the crazy one. How come I'm not you know, all, all incensed about January 6th, really? I mean, they, they were burning and destroying every city. And then January 6th, we watched them the, the, ushering people in and what? And sometimes you can think, man, I'm, I, is it just me? Because the devil wants you to feel like you are outnumbered 850 to 1. But Elijah says, let's, let's gather together on Mount Carmel, verse 20. And Elijah came to all the people in verse 21 says, How long are you going to falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. The people were silent. For, for, for too long, the people have been silent. The devil wants the church to be silent. Shh. Oh, uh, you, 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 don't, you, don't, you, you don't get to, to weigh in. They don't want the Christians voting. They don't want the Christians turning up at the polls. They don't want the church turning up. Christy Bruce Lane was telling me that, that less than 50% of the church turns up to vote. If the entire church turned up to vote, we wouldn't have any wicked reprobates in power. But because the church, for whatever reason... The world says, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You, you, you shouldn't have a voice. You shouldn't turn up to vote. Last time I checked, you're still a citizen of this nation. Last time I checked, they didn't, the, the IRS didn't say, hey, listen, <laughs> we didn't realize you were a, you're a Christian. You don't pay any taxes. No, you don't pay property taxes. In fact, we're going to give you all your, your, your wages, taxes back. You were gonna, we're going to give it all back to you. We didn't realize you were Christians. Now, obviously, you don't get to vote. If you pay taxes, you better believe you have a right to vote. You better believe. It doesn't matter what church denomination you vote because you are a citizen. Somebody say amen. amen. So Elijah says the people, you know, we're going to have this competition. No one's speaking. Then Elijah said, I alone am left of the prophets of the, the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450. He says, therefore, let them give us two bulls. And Let's cut wood, build an altar, put it on the wood. Let them prepare their bull. I'll prepare my bull and we'll have a competition. The God that answers by fire, they call out to their God. I call out to my God. The God that answers by fire, he's the true God. And all of a sudden now the people are like, yes, it is well spoken. Come on, competition. This is better than ESPN. Yes, let's do it. So, so they're all excited. And so the Bible says that, that he goes and, and uh, he, gets, he lets Baal's prophets go first and they bring out their bull and, you know, they do a fire dance. Hey, yeah, 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 hey, yeah, 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 hey, yeah, 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 and nothing. And then they're crawling out to Baal, nothing. And I love it. If you read the commentary, Elijah is mocking them. He's like, shout louder. You, I, think, I think your God is deaf. I'm like, shut up. And he's like, maybe he's busy. Maybe he's indisposed. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. Like that's what he literally says in the Hebrew. And uh, they're like, shut up. And so he's mocking them the whole day. So then by, by the mid-afternoon, nothing's happening. So they get swords and they begin cutting themselves so that there's blood running out because the, the, their policies always bring harm. You can always tell the spirit by does it help or does it harm? They're mutilating themselves. Whenever you see mutilation, it's never the Spirit of God. So after they've all finished, Elijah has to repair the altar because they've trashed it. They've left the place trashed. Ever been to an Antifa rally, Jeff? Trashed. 
you ever go up to Seattle and see chop? Trashed. Ever see the, the, uh, the, the, the women's march? Trashed. You ever go to a pro-life march? You can eat off the street. Ever go to a Trump rally? You can eat off the street. I don't lie, Emmy's pro-Trump. He done right, I'm pro-Trump. Absolutely, I'm pro-Trump. I'm pro-Trump because I'm pro-truth. If he wasn't speaking for truth, I'd be anti-Trump. But because he's pro-truth and calls out the, the fake news, which is another word for false prophets, you better believe it. Absolutely. Don't, don't, well, you shouldn't say that in church. You'll offend people. Listen, I've been offending people since we got here. Why, why, why quit after 17 years? I might as well just keep going. The truth is offensive to people that want to believe lies. It's like, knock yourself out. So he has to repair the altar, put his, his bull on there. And then he does this. He says, I want you to get some water and pour water on the bull. And they're like, you, you, you mean gasoline, right? He's like, no, water. They're like, no, you, you, you're trying to get fire, water. And then they're like, this guy's crazy. And they put water on there. He says, do it a second time. A second, a second time. Do it a third, a, thir a third time. By the third time, they're, they're standing in ankle deep water. And then the Bible says, Elijah prays once and <laughs> fire comes down licks up the water, consumes the bull, all the wood, and scorches all the stones so the whole nation falls on their face and cries, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then he has the prophets of Baal arrested and he executes them down in the valley of Kidron, which is awesome. I love it. That's what we're going to see happen this election cycle. We're taking out the fake news. We're taking out the false prophets. We're taking out the liars. We're, we're, we're cleaning up California. We're cleaning up San Diego. We're doing it one school board at a time, one county at a time, one city, one district at a time in Jesus' name. So let me give you six points. See, you guys are much more faith-filled than the 830. The 830 a doubt. You guys are faith people. Number one, number one, Number one, if you're going to be a rainmaker, because after, after Elijah takes out the false prophets, here's what's happened. He takes out the false prophets. I want you to make this correlation. Once he deals with the fake news aficionados, once he deals with the false prophets, once he deals with what was sitting on the throne, he goes back up onto the same mountain where fire just came. And the Bible says, and he bows his head and travails in prayer. And then the whole sky fills up with clouds and the drought ends and rain, a torrential downpour comes and fills all the dams and all the rivers. And the entire economy shifts because they got the wicked out of power. We are in a crazy recession. And I'm telling you, it's because wickedness is seated in, and perched itself in places of authority. Once we get that, you watch the, the, the economy roar again. You watch gas prices come down. You watch wages go up. You watch prosperity and abundance and blessing come back. It's always the same. That's why the Bible is called Scripture, because it's Scripture. It's a script. It's on a cycle. I thank God that, we, that I live in this time. I'm not complaining that the generations before didn't fight and they'd kick the battle down the road. You and I get to rise and be Elijah to our generation. You and I get to be the hero generation that our children and our children's children will say, Mom, Dad, thank you for fighting. You saved America, man. We were on the precipice. We're on the precipice of being taken over by the CCP and the World Economic Forum and a great communist reset where the rich and the elite have all the money and you languish in poverty. Thank God you stood up. Thank 
God you fought. Thank God you overturned. Thank God you saved America. Somebody say amen. So number one, have His Word in your mouth. Have His Word. Did you know that God's Word in your mouth is as powerful as God's Word in His mouth? Because it's God's Word. The Bible says God watches over His Word to perform it. Amos 3 says that God does nothing except He first reveals His secret to His servants, the prophets. When God wants something done, He puts a word in the prophet's mouth. He sends His word and the prophet speaks it out. And then the God who watches over His word to perform it goes and performs it. So our job is to speak God's word in San Diego. You better believe the devil will attack us and vilify us. He'll try to seduce us. Hey, hey, just dumb down the word of God. He's 30 pieces of silver. Notice Judas, none of the other disciples got 30 pieces, only Judas. Judas traded truth for personal prosperity. For his personal financial increase, he was willing to trade truth. I'm telling you, I'm not here for personal. I won't compromise truth because I know that my assignment before heaven, I don't want to get to heaven and I made 30 pieces of silver, but for all eternity, I was the guy that sold out Jesus Christ. I don't want to be that person. For all eternity, I want to be the guy who was unwavering, who would not compromise, who could not be bored, who would not sell out. So we want, we want to preach the Word of God. The reason we want to preach the Word of God is because not only does God watch over His Word, but wherever God's Word is, God is. Did you know that? Wherever God's Word is, God is. Because John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the, and the Word was, and the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God and the Word was God. In other words, God and His Word are inseparable. The reason the devil resists the Word of God is because he knows wherever the Word is, God is. God, God reigns in His Word. He reigns through His Word. He governs through His Word. He, he has authority wherever His Word is. Where His Word isn't, He isn't. Where His Word is, He is. That's why the devil doesn't want His Word in our schools. He doesn't want His Word in our courts. He doesn't want His Word in our colleges. He doesn't want His Word. So we're not here to please the devil. In fact, we're here to diminish ground from the devil by speaking the Word of God. When the Word of God goes forth, it never returns to God empty. It always, it always accomplishes that. For, it always accomplishes that for which He sends it out. He sends out His Word and He healed them. He sent out His Word and delivered them. He sent out His Word and brought hope. He sent out His Word and brought life. He sent out His Word. His Word has power. Elijah says there won't be any dew nor rain these years except at my Word. Except that, you know what, he, he, he said, you know why? Because my words are his words. I'm not speaking my words, I'm a prophet. The God before whom I stand gave me a word. And let me tell you, the heavens don't respond to the words of men. The heavens only respond to the word of God. That's why Malachi says, bring the tithe into the storehouse and test me if I won't open the windows of heaven. Why? He said, the heavens are shut because you're out of line. You're out of order with the Word of God. Eh, access denied. Eh, access denied. Eh, access denied. But if you'll align yourself up with the Word of God, if you'll become congruent, if you'll become obedient to God's Word, it'll open the heavens. It's the Word that unlocks the heavens. There are two realms, the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. The earthly realm is dependent on the heavenly realm. 
The earthly realm is dependent on the heavenly realm. The Bible says that God separated the waters above from the waters beneath. He separated the waters above. You would think, well, what's the point? Water is water. H2O, H2O. Problem. 99% of the H2O on the earth can't be drunk because it's salt water. It's the seas. We are dependent on the waters above. We're dependent upon the rain, the fresh water coming down from the heavens onto our mountains, into our streams, into our brooks, into our rivers, flowing so that everything can live. We are dependent on the waters above. Climate policies, green carbon taxes, eh, don't open the heavens, don't believe the lies. It's the Word of God that unlocks the heavens. There will not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. When God's Word is in your mouth, there is power in your life. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> A lot of people, if you go to college, if you go to university, they will tell you, they will tell you that, that man's mouth speaking language uh, exists so that we can communicate. Language is formed, they will tell you, language is formed so that we could communicate one to another. And absolutely, one of the great benefits of language is communication. But it's secondary, not primary. The primary purpose of speech is not communication, it's creation. The primary purpose of speech is not communication, it's creation. Because the Bible says in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. And then God said, let there be light, and light was. And then God said, and it was so. And then God said, let dry ground appear, and it was so. And then God said, let the earth bring forth, and it was so. And then God said, let the seas be filled, and it was so. And then God said, and it was so. The the original, when God was speaking, there was no audience. There was no man. There was no He wasn't communicating to. He was creating with. You and I live in the world created by the words that we speak. Your life right now is literally the fruit of the words that have come out of your mouth. If you want a different life, begin to change the words. Begin to speak differently. Begin to, instead of cursing your life, begin to bless your life. Begin to say, with God, all things are possible. Begin to say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Be- be- begin to say that, that God calls me to be, to be prosperous. He says, let the weak say, I am strong. Before anything changes physically, you got to start changing verbally. Start changing what comes out of your mouth. Do you know the Bible says in Romans, I think it's uh, Romans 4, 17, that God speaks those things that are not as though they are. Speak those things that are not as though they are. He visits a man who's 99. His wife is 89. And he says to the man, he says, your name is Avram. Your name means exalted father. He says, you know what? We're going to change your name. He's like, thank God, because I'm 99. I ain't got no kids. He says, we're going to change your name from Avram to Abraham, Abraham, father of nations. <laughs> right there, you're thinking, God is un poquito loco. <laughs> have, have you been drinking? Are you kidding me? God says, we're changing your name to Abraham. Now, you may say, that sounds awesome, man. I've changed my name. I'm no longer Abram, I'm Abraham. But every, Abraham, have you taken out the garbage? Abraham, the light bulb's broken. Abraham, go down to the store and get some more eggs. Abraham, like he, every time he heard Abraham, Abraham, but she's prophesying. She's prophesying. Abraham, father of a multitude, father of nations, father of nations, father of a multitude, father of nations. 
Everywhere he met, Abraham, father of nations. What, what, was he father of nations? He was, Sarah was barren. But he's speaking before anything changes. Because the original purpose of speech is creation, not communication. They won't teach you that in Harvard. They won't teach you that you've got to come to the church to get that. And then sadly, a lot of churches don't teach us. You've got to come to Awaken Church to get that. <laughs> Number two, you've got to find your voice. Oh, dear Jesus. Number two. Number two, find your voice. The Bible says, Elijah confronts him and says, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? If Baal is God, worship him. If the Lord is God, worship him. And the people answered him, not a word. It's amazing, the devil doesn't want you to have a voice. And you'll find that as evil rises, it always coincides with the silencing of voices. Baal is on the rise. Asherah is on, wickedness is on the rise and the people have no voice. Election fraud, the reason we call it out is because election fraud is the silencing of your voice. How so? Because if you don't vote, you didn't voice your opinion. Your vote is your voice and your voice is your vote. That means that every fake ballot, that means every illegal ballot, that means every programmed algorithm to flip ballots is theft. Can I just tell you that if we have corrupt elections, you end up with corrupt elected officials. You cannot have a corrupt election and have righteous, godly people that care about the voice of the people in power. The reason they got into power is because they nixed your voice. They don't care about your voice. Have a look. San Francisco is in the chaos it's in because for so many years, it's a, it's a voter fraud area. Wherever you see chaos and calamity and homelessness and hopelessness and murder rates, you can guarantee that those elected officials, there is corrupt elections there. There is corrupt elections there. They want to silence your voice. That's why we need to overwhelm them on election day. I'm determined we're going to, we're going to make it our mission to get 100% of the church turning out to vote. We're going to overwhelm them. We're going to drive them out. And then we're going to have free and fair elections. Somebody say amen. But it's not just that, that our voices are, are muted and stolen. Some, some of us, without realizing, have lost our voice. I've told the story, and I don't have time to, to go completely through it, but many years ago, I, I told the story of a man who was working in a machine shop. And he was a Christian. He wore a cross. And the gentleman on the machine next to him all of a sudden drew back from his machine and began pulling at his overalls and and buttons were flying off and he falls to the ground starts frothing at the mouth he's having a massive heart attack they begin to shut down all the machines and they run over and and quick get an ambulance kill an ambulance so they call an ambulance and and this man the pain in his chest and he realizes he may not make it and he reaches up and he grabs the the foreman he says i'm not gonna make it please find me a christian find me a christian he wants to get his life right with god just in case he slips out of this life into eternity. He wants to, and so the foreman begins to cry out. They've already gone to get the ambulance. He says, is anyone a Christian? Is anyone a Christian? The guy on the machine next to him, John, wears a cross, but you didn't say anything. The ambulance arrives. They put him in the ambulance. They're using the defibrillator trying to bring him back. Sadly, the man passed away 
at his funeral just three or four days later, the foreman walks up to John and says, John, when Gary was dying, he, he, he kind of had the inclination he wasn't, he, he wasn't going to make it. His last wish, he was calling out. With a little, little breath and the energy that he had, he was saying, give me a Christian. Somebody give me a Christian. Please get me a Christian. Find me a Christian. He says, you're a Christian. You've worked on the machine next to John for three years. Why didn't you say anything? With tears in John's eyes, he, he looked up and he said, I couldn't. I couldn't because my life closed my lips. My life closed my lips. See, the devil, the reason that he makes sin so attractive is because he's trying to buy your voice. The reason he wants to get you stuck in compromise and living is because he wants to, he wants to take away your voice. Do you know who doesn't have a voice? Slaves. Only 2% of you got that. Do you know who doesn't have a voice? Slaves. Slaves don't have a voice with men. Thank God the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Why? Because he's the only one that was hearing. I guarantee you they cried out to their taskmasters. They cried out to Pharaoh. But these politicians are corrupt. They don't listen. It has to go all the way to God. And then God has to shift. God has to interrupt. God has to change the status quo. Number three is what are called the duel of the bulls. The duel of the bulls. I love this. Elijah said, hey, listen, when do I have a competition? You bring out your bull and I'll bring out my bull. KPBS, you know, put out a little hit piece on beautiful Christy Bruce Lane and then mentioned Awakened Church, that cult-like church that gets engaged in politics. They're the super spreaders. The grandma killers. They're the ones who were calling it a pandemic before all the facts came out to show that it was a pandemic. So they believe that what we believe is bull. So I'm like, well, let's, let's bring out the bulls and compare. You bring out your bull, we'll bring out our bull. Because I, I, I call what they believe is bull. I'm just telling you. So, so their bull right now is trying to tell us that Martin Luther King Jr., who, 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 was, who was assassinated, who had a dream that his children could grow up in a nation, in a country where people were no longer judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. But we have CRT training saying, no, 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 ignore Martin Luther King. Forget his sacrifice, his assassination, his life. No, 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 the color of your skin does matter. And if you tell people that, you know, you're colorblind, you're a bigot and you're a racist. You ought to see things through the lens. You got white privilege and you're white this and you need to feel guilty. We need to put on our children that you should, be, you should feel guilty about something you can't show. I call that bull. I call that bull. I call it bull. I say the Bible says that God has made us all from one blood. God never looks at skin color. He never looks at melanin content. God looks at character. He looks at heart. God, God deals with the issues of the heart. Am I right about it? Women's reproductive rights. They say that women's reproductive rights has to do with slaughtering in the womb. Or now they want to pass a bill where even after they're born, you can slaughter it. I believe that a woman has the right to reproduce. Absolutely. You've got to be very careful of their words. When they say gentleman's club, 
can I just say if I'm driving along in a gentleman's club? Leanne, I'm going to be a little late for dinner. I'm, I'm driving along the road here and it's our gentleman's club. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go in and get a little bit of etiquette. Learn a little bit of chivalry. Gentlemen, don't go to a gentleman's club. But they bring out their bull. And they call what we believe bull. They bring out their bull, gentleman's club. Do you know the first, the first uh, female in the Bible, Adam, when he meets her, calls her womb man, woman. He says, she shall be called womb man, for she was taken out of man. So today, there's a, there's a wonderful documentary, What is a Woman?, and we've got professors and even someone who's elected to the Supreme Court that can't answer that question. But the Bible actually, so they bring out their bull. Well, it's whatever, somebody identifies them. Well, no, the, the Bible makes it quite simple that a woman is a womb man. It's a man with a womb. If you don't got a womb, you're not a woman. Yeah, no, but what, what, no, no, hang on. No, they've changed pronouns. They've enhanced. They've had some, they've cut off. They wear, no, no, darling, darling, do they have a womb? She shall be called womb man. That's when he first meets her. By the end of chapter three, the Bible says, and Adam named the woman named his wife Eve. In, in Hebrew, Chava. What does Chava mean in Hebrew? It means bringer of life. Bringer of life. God created the womb to bring forth life. Did you know that every single person sitting in this room came from a womb? The womb was the God's dispensation of life. It was God's vehicle to bring life into the world. How wicked of Satan that he wants to go right into the very area that is called to bring forth life and put murder and put a spirit of death, baptizing them in a spirit of death, bringing all kinds of curse onto our. Let them bring out their bull, and we'll bring out our bull. We'll bring out Albo. Did you know when I grew up, parental guidance was recommended on videos. But now they're saying, no, no, you don't. We're going to do away with parental guidance when it comes to sexuality and gender. So because this person is identifying. Identify, identification is identity. Watch this. So they say, no, no, no. Even though it's an identity issue, we're going to make it a sexuality issue. Hang on, whoa, 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 why are you confusing the two? They say, oh, no, 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 no. We need to have, and we're not going to even ask the parents. We want to be able to amputate things, remove things, extricate things because of their identity. How did you get from identity to sexuality? 
these wicked reprobates sexualize everything. Did you know every single human being is in an identity crisis? Every single one of us have to discover whose we are before we find out who we are. Talk to someone who finds out they were, that, that they were adopted. As soon as they find out they're adopted, they immediately go into a search, a quest. Who's my biological father? Who's my biological mother? I, I, I want to know the story because there's something innate in us that when we discover whose we are, we find out who we are. Everybody wants to know who we are. He was named Jacob, but he has a wrestle with God. And God says, you're not Jacob, you're Israel. He was named Simon, but he in an encounter with Jesus says, and I tell you, Simon, you're Peter. And on the, you're not a reed shaken by the wind. You're a rock. You're firm. You're secure. God is the revealer of identities, but the devil comes in where people are most vulnerable and then he sexualizes. It's about identity, but he wants to make it about sexuality. Do you know how many people are struggling with suicide and depression because they fought the lies, because they brought out their bull? Well, we're in the jewel of the bulls and let our God be true and every man a liar. Somebody say, amen, we're bringing forth God's Word. It's much easier to cast out a spirit of confusion, bring parental guidance than it is to, to amputate. Number four is repair altars, or oh dear Jesus. Number four, repair altars. Elijah, when he gets there, the, the altar's trash. The altar's, and the Bible says he gets 12 stones representing, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and he rebuilds the altar, Charles. Whenever you see stones in the Bible, it's judgment. It was a stone in a sling. Judgment fell off on Goliath, piping off. Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of God? Give me men that we may fight. You have promised your God drive out the enemy. How you explain me standing here? This day I defy. And David's like, Who the isn't someone going to shut this guy up? And they're like, have you seen him? He's 10 foot tall. And, and he's got like bronze helmet on his head. Have you seen the size of his spear? Size of a weaver's beam. What's a weaver's beam? Don't know, but it just sounds impressive, doesn't it? <laughs> David puts a stone in a sling because stone's judgment. When the woman was caught in adultery, they picked up stones to stone her. But watch this. The church has moved back from, you know, well, you know, um, we shouldn't judge. You know, I know Jesus gave us a new commandment that we should love our neighbour as ourselves, but, you know, limited understanding, really. We're woke. We've got a new, we shouldn't judge anybody for anything. No, 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 no. He doesn't, he doesn't take the stones, judgment, and hide them. He doesn't take the stones and bury them. He takes the stones and builds an altar. Listen, sin jacks up your life. I have a gift to preach the gospel. I don't have a gift to live it. I have a gift to preach the gospel. I don't have to have a gift to live it. I have to repent. I have to live right. I have to come to God. I thank God that we have stones that tell me, you're jacked up in this area. You're in transgression in that area. You violated God's law in that area. Let me tell you something about the Ten Commandments. You can't break the Ten Commandments. They are set. They are eternal. All you and I succeed in doing is breaking ourselves against them. Therefore, I love church because church is a place where we take the stones that represent judgment, but we turn it into an altar because at that altar, I can find atonement. At that altar, I can find forgiveness. At that altar, I can find redemption. At that altar... So he builds an altar. You know what we're doing? We're building altars. If you talk to Pastor John, we, 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 we literally just this week went into escrow on a building right on the 84 freeway in Idaho. 
We're believing for the Salvation Army place down here and another property down on the eight. We're believing for properties, but it's not about it's not about church buildings. It's about altars. Every single building is an altar between heaven and earth, where where broken people can come in and find a new chance and find forgiveness and find atonement and find redemption. Jesus died on the cross for our sin. He took the judgment so that you and I could find redemption. He took the full full judgment of God's wrath and anger so that you and I could have forgiveness and everlasting life. That's the good news. So He rebuilds altars. Number five, and I'm almost done, is not without sacrifice. Not without sacrifice. Elijah says, put water on there. What's the most precious thing in a drought? He says, don't do it once, do it a second time, no, do it a third time. They're like, man, are you, you want fire? Because he knows that God doesn't need any help. He doesn't need kerosene. God is attracted to sacrifice. Do you know our founding fathers pledged their fortunes and their lives? They pledged their estates and their reputations to give us this constitution, to give us this republic. Christy Bruce Lane will be the first to tell you that what it's cost her in sleep, in hours, in vilification, in attacks, in slander, in hate mail, Charlie Kirk said this, he says, this battle is not gonna cost us anything. For some of you, just standing up for what you believe costs you your job. Because you said, hey, I'm looking at, at the vax and you're saying, if I don't get it, I get fired, but I still have to wear my mask afterwards. I still have to socially distance. And then once I'm fully vaxxed, I still got to line up and get a booster. And, and the hospital beds are still filled with people who are fully vaccinated. I don't understand, why would I? And But you're threatening me? I wasn't threatened when with measles. I wasn't threatened with the polio. And I didn't have to wear a mask afterwards and socially distance in case I caught it or spread. What? It's gonna cost you something. Some of you, it costs you at Thanksgiving, it costs you friends, it costs you relationships. Jesus, don't think I've come to bring peace, but a sword. From now on, families will be divided, a father against a son, a mother against a daughter. I've come to bring division, not peace. It's gonna cost you, but you know what's gonna be worth it? You're the hero generation. The hero generation is a generation that paid the price. The hero generation. There's not one warrior who didn't pay a price. What did it cost God? It's not without sacrifice. Without sacrifice, there is no redemption. And the last one, number six, is there's no substitute for prayer. There's no substitute for prayer when you pray. The Bible says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, James 5, 17. But he prayed and the heavens were shut and then he prayed again and the heavens were open. Come on, I'm telling you, the church is finding her voice. She's filling her mouth with God's Word. When she fills her mouth with God's Word, things begin to happen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Lift your hands high to heaven. This is a revelation that that God gave me in the 830 that I never saw in my preparation, never saw in my notes. Just, Just lift your hands. I want you to receive something. Word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the Word of God in God's mouth because it's God's Word. But sometimes we can say, well, hang on, Pastor, I hear you say that, but why am I not experiencing it in my life? Very simple. This is what God showed me. I never saw this before. He said, when the level of God's Word in your heart 
is equivalent to the level of word in your mouth. Power. The Bible says Jesus, when he taught, the people marveled, the crowds marveled, saying, man, this man teaches as one who has authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees had the word in their mouth, but they didn't have it in their heart. Jesus' heart was filled with his word. And the word has a name. His name is Jesus, Yeshua. If you've never received Jesus, I want you to receive him now. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. Is there room in your heart for the word of God? Is there room for the word to come into your heart? Don't be like the innkeeper when Mary was about to give birth and Joseph is rapping on doors trying to find a place. My wife's about to have a baby and the innkeeper says, you know what, go out to the barn. I've got no room for you in my inn. Don't be like him. Make room for the word. Make room for the word. Make room for the word. Can the word find room in your heart? When your heart is filled with his word, and you put that word in your mouth, it has power, transformational power, healing power, deliverance power. Father, I thank you for every son and daughter in this house. Father, I pray not one person leaves without surrendering to Christ today. I pray that one, not one person leaves feeling overwhelmed and powerless. I thank you, Lord God, that they have access to the all-powerful, almighty God. And Father, that your word in their mouth has power. Lord, I thank you for Christy Bruce Lane. And as we go out into the foyer and shake hands, I pray, Father God, that she is overwhelmed with the turnout. Lord God, that we flood District 76, that we, that we take back, we, we kick out wicked and we put in righteous. Father, we thank you for her. We thank you for her campaign. We thank you for all our campaigns today. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.